Welcome to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology. Hello and welcome to Location Matters. My name's Sarah Butler. I'm your host and I'm really delighted today to be bringing you part two of our special feature in this podcast season, which is on our GOGEE projects. Now, Listeners of this podcast and subscribers of this podcast would know that we've been covering this for about 10 months now um, with the launch of the GOGEE program. We've been speaking with Nathan Eaton and Yvonne Fong, who's here with me today, about the program and some of the initiatives um, within the program. And we've already had one episode this season with two of our project winners. And I'm delighted to say that we have another two project winners with us today. Um, And we're going to be hearing a little bit about them. Um, They're joining us from different parts of the world. Again, this is what I love about the podcast is that we have an international audience. We get to speak with people all over the world. So we've got Rafael, who is joining us from Costa Rica. And we've got Ivan, who's joining us in Arizona in the USA. So we're all in different time zones right now. It's very early here in Perth. I don't know what time it is where you guys are, but I'm really glad that you're here with us today. Ivan, would you like to uh, introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, as well. Hi, Sarah, Ivan, Rafa. Nice to be here with you. Thanks for the invitation. I'm glad to join all of you and all the people that is listening to the podcast. My name is Ivan Gonzalez from Colombia. Right now, I'm a doctoral student at Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm a computer science student. And this is the number of the program, but I'm taking up emphasis in ecological analysis. I'm also a master in hydrosystems and have a bachelor in ecology. So it's a mix of computings, animals, plants, and well, a lot of things. Thanks for inviting me here. And well, very excited about the questions you have. Great. No, thank you for being here. It's awesome to hear from you. And then Rafael will get you to introduce yourself as well. You're, like I said, you're in Costa Rica. Can you introduce yourself, please, to our listeners? Yes, thank you very much for the invitation. I'm also very excited to be here with you. And I've been listening to some of the episodes of the podcast, and it's very interesting. And I hope that um, we also can provide uh, some information that will be relevant for the people that are listening. My name is Rafael Monge. I work in the Ministry of Environment and Energy of Costa Rica. I'm an economist and I'm chief of the office that is called the National Center of Geoenvironmental Information. We are in a specialized unit of the of the ministry, like an intelligence unit that is providing uh, information or key information in um, statistics, maps to for decision makers and also for the general public. And we have a very exciting project with uh, in this program with Google Earth Engine and, and Geo working with EO Data Science in developing a project to tackle deforestation and forest degradation in Costa Rica. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit more detail in just a moment. But first up, um, I want to come back to you, please, Ivan, and speak to you a little bit more about your project. So you're a native of Bogota, Colombia. Um, You have firsthand experience with land use and water management challenges in that mega diverse country. Can you tell us about the Ecological Integrity Index project um, and the specific challenges it's addressing in Colombia? Well, this idea came up from a combination, from water data analysis and land cover analysis. 
the water analysis has to be on a different scale than the annual, which is the most common scale of analysis. So for example, let's think in a dry months and wet months. If we average that, we can see that uh, along the years, we, we can see that the average maybe is hiding a real pattern of the precipitation or, or the stream flows. Happen quite similar with vegetation. So vegetation is some periods some months are, let's say, greener than the autumn, and this is perfectly normal. It's like a cycle, we have a year with 12 months, and let's, I mean, there's a cycle inside that, so we want to analyze that dynamics. And this index attempts to measure and monitoring in the sh in a short term how ecosystems are breathing or in some way, like are, they are getting some greener or some darker in some way and don't need to wait that much to have like a categorical maps. In Colombia, at least we have like a forest, no forest maps, uh, which is, uh, is easy to detect in some way. Well, we have a lot of clouds that makes this task quite challenging, but we have that kind of maps. We have forest or no forest. So what happened with another ecosystems? What happened with, we have Paramos, which is a mountain ecosystem with no, no lot of forest, no, no bigger trees. We have savannas, and we want to measure the condition or the degradation in those places. So this index, based on time series analysis, try to identify which is a normal period of every single ecosystem, and try to measure the anomalies of that behavior. And with that, a small calculation, is made in order to provide a quantification or a, a brief index to try to generate maps and time series to evaluate the integrity of every single ecosystem. Great. And how are you and the team you have there at the University of Arizona ensuring that this tool is having an influence and, and helping policymakers in Colombia working on the ground? Well, Fortunately, this idea came up from my previous work in Colombia. I worked with the National Institutes, National Biodiversity Institute in Colombia for five, six years, and we detected that maybe there's a gap. So when my professors and advisors saw this idea, they said, okay, let's try to reach more partners in Colombia. And in that way, we contact natural parks and some NGOs. So these guys cannot measure or monitoring their ecosystems. Let's think that Colombia is a centralized area and very far away, near in the coast or in the middle of Amazonia, there is no tools to monitoring the forests or the ecosystems. So using remote sensing, maybe is the faster way. I, I, we know that it's not perfect, but it's a, a good proxy to try to interpretate what is happening. And with the results, we hope two things. People could understand what is happening, try to monitor it, which is the tempo of have repeated measures along the time, identify where our ecosystems had some kind of improvement or degradations. That's why location matters. Identify the places where these kind of transitions are occurring, but also try to prioritize where to focus restoration measurements or strategies and protection. Right now, we don't have enough results to try to provide like um, the portfolio of the options, like 
you should conserve this and restore here. That's the goal of the project. But maybe providing that kind of outputs in terms of maps and kind of activities could be the, the most uh, useful way that we can provide information to the community, not only in Colombia, but in other places where this index can be adapted. Absolutely. And how important would you say using Google Earth Engine as technology in this, in this instance is to this project when it comes to communicating well, change? Without Google Earth Engine, maybe the first prototype I had made could take me five months, more, another five months, larger than we had already. Because this platform, which is the new area in terms of spatial data analysis, save me time in downloading the data, storing them, organizing them, make a tidy or clean data sets. This is a, a, a huge work, a lot of, of work in that, in that first step. And the second step is processing all of them. So do we have a supercomputer in our university, but I will have to take a deep course in how to configure your super cluster and that everything works and maybe wait a couple days waiting for that runs. Google Earth Engine saved me the time, storage, and tears <laughs> because I had run several times, let's say iterations, uh, turning up the parameters of the analysis in a couple hours, couple minutes. Uh, without the Google Earth Engine, maybe I could not attend this podcast because I will still work in my fears. <laughs> results. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ivan. Um, yeah, that's fantastic work that you're doing. And definitely Google Earth Engine is helping a lot of people to, to finish your work a lot faster. So I'm just going to jump over to Rafael over here. So Rafael, you also have firsthand experience with environmental challenges in Costa Rica. So can you tell us a bit about your current project to operationalize the change detection algorithms that are used to accurately detect deforestation and forest degradation in Costa Rica? Yes, thank you for the question. Uh, in Costa Rica, like in many countries, uh, estimating precise rates of deforestation, forest degradation, and restoration is uh, particularly complex because they occur in relatively small patches and that are dispersed through the country. Uh, we have been measuring this for uh, red reports, the uh, reduction of emissions for deforestation and degradation. And um, this, we have had a very uh, successful red strategy, strategy in Costa Rica that we have, which we have achieved to measure the, the, the way we have been reducing emissions in this sector. And what we want to do now is to do these measurements a lot more precise because we have been finding these gaps in the data uh, because these uh, are not uh, like in other countries, like big patches of deforestation where you can measure the change, but there, there are these specific places where forests are being uh, not only degraded, but also uh, regenerated. And since these are very small, it requires more um, a more precise analysis. Uh, that's why uh, we are trying to use new technologies or well, Google Earth Engine and also new sources of data and new algorithms to try to measure this, these dynamics in our territory. 
for instance, we're trying to use uh, radar data to uh, add it into the pipeline to see what, what we can detect from this analysis. Um, and also what, and one important thing that we want to do is do it this in a regular basis or a more regular basis, not only based on our reports to the conventions, but also to answer the questions that we have in our country in a more uh, direct in, and a lot of people can do this with because Google Engine can give you this 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 opportunity. As uh, Ivan was saying before, I think like we're using Google Engine is like cheating because you can do this, this thing so relatively easy and it's a way to to make this more universal the use and the understanding and the access to this analysis. Yeah. That's awesome. So as director at the Ministry of Environment and Energy at Costa Rica, um, I'm sure you have worked on some pretty interesting projects using Earth observations. Which has been your favourite or most successful or most interesting project so far, apart from this one, of course? Of course, I really enjoyed this one because this has helped us understand a lot of these new sources of information to, to our pipeline. But uh, I can mention two international projects that we have had and this is all done in the framework of our national land use, land cover, and ecosystems monitoring system that we call Simokuti. And uh, this is like our platform to organize the institutions in our country and the institutions and agencies outside our country that are trying to um, work in monitoring the dynamics of the environment the, or the urban dynamics or the agricultural dynamics in the territory. And there are two projects in this line. One is uh, directed to modeling ecosystem services that we're working with the Natural Capital Project at Stanford University. We are using this approach of uh, measuring essential uh, biodiversity variables to develop ecosystem services models for, and we have studied three very important ecosystem services uh, for our society that are water regulation, tourism, and also pollinization. And there's this other project that we're developing, we call it the uh, Mapping Nature for People of Planet. That is also has a very funny name called the Beacon Chila, because uh, with this project, uh, we're trying to identify essential life support areas using all the spatial data available in a tool that can provide us with one map where we can identify the places where we have to restore or um, protect or manage the territory in order to get the most of the nature, the benefits that nature-based solutions provide. We have already done two iterations of, of this map. The, the second one is, is already public, but it's, it has a scale of one kilometer that we want to, to refine in our next iteration of this project. Awesome. Um, Rafa, I have to ask you, it kind of sounded like the dogs in your neighborhood were having a party at the beginning of you answering that whole question from Yvonne. <laughs> so, what's going on over there? <laughs> I live in a very pet-friendly neighborhood. Sometimes <laughs> they all bark at the same time, and I have one that has this particular high pitch that can be listened. <laughs> well, we love animals, so I don't mind that at all. I think it's great. Um, I was just wondering now as well about the thought process behind applying for the GOGEE program. So, what made you guys apply for the program? Uh, maybe Ivan, if you want to go first. Well, I have to say that. It was a famous call. So the convocatory was, I will say this, had a lot of um, reaching out. I mean, it was on Twitter. It was in some mailing list. 
So it was hard to donutize that if you're into the Google Earth engine or geospatial big data analysis for any for some disciplines. So when I see that, uh, it was like, oh, man, this is this is big, but this is the opportunity for me to try to write a proposal, bring the ideas into a paper, try to see it, make a diagram. Fortunately, I do have some previous uh, exploratory analysis. I told you that in my previous job, we had a little uh, sample data set, let's say. And I, from, from that occasion, I, I remember that I do a small analysis. So in, for this case, I first of all write a coherent uh, and convincing arguments to try to say, why do we need to measure in a continuous way the ecosystems change? Because we do have the information, we have the needs, we cannot monitor, we cannot go to the ground in many places in countries like Colombia. And additionally, there's an approach that we can use. And I bring my example to the table. I make quite fancy plots, beautiful colors, beautiful maps, and try to say, okay, if we, I can do this in a bigger scale, maybe the results that we can expect is something like this. And you can do that for every single country. So it was a fantastic, a fantastic, but a lot of pressure, I have to say, because it was a super big project and I'm a student. And I, <laughs> I was in my first year trying to, to write a, a proposal. So you have to focus a lot and put a lot of an, an effort. Fortunately, I found the support from my advisors and amazing advice from them. And for I have the look to have some experience with some data. And I tried to mix all of that. Unfortunately, it went through and, and was good. But I have to say that, that I enjoy and that it helped me to try to uh, advance in a more formal way this kind of proposal. And well, what a way to start and have the support to work <laughs> in that idea. That's great. Thanks, Ivan. Rafael, what about you? What made you apply for the GeoGEE program? Yes, in our country, Costa Rica is a very active country in the for the GEO initiative, the group on Earth observations. Actually, this is our second call that we apply. Uh, the first uh, was with this uh, modeling ecosystem services project with the AWS program that GEO has. And now the, with that experience, we saw the, this call, that G, uh, this new call, and we decided to apply uh, because we saw a very good opportunity since we were, we have been using uh, Google Earth Engine in different institutions for uh, a variety of processes. And we saw this as an opportunity to continue building our capacities in the use of this tool and um, presenting a, a, an idea that can be used for answering a question that we have and what, that we know that other countries also also have and we can maybe provide them some some insights on that and now we have another uh, with this is the second one and there's another we did uh, apply for another call on the urban sdg uh, 11 uh, for sustainable cities and human development 
the EU toolkit. Uh, this is another project that, or initiative that we are involved with GEO. And just to say that, yes, we really like to be involved in the GEO initiatives and they have helped us a lot to build uh, what we want to do in our country. That's awesome. And like I said before, I think it's really nice to hear the passion from both sides on, you know, how science can help these global issues. I'm sure it's pretty useful to also be able to talk together and talk with other project winners as well um, and meet everybody else because there's 32 winners. Is that right, Yvonne? There's 32 yep. in, yeah, in total. I, I want to say 36 all the time, um, but you guys would probably be worn out if there was another. Yeah, 32 is already a lot. <laughs> um, so I know that EO Data Science held some virtual meetup events um, that sort of enabled projects working on similar themes to exchange knowledge and network with one another. So you both presented at those meetups. And did you learn or take anything away from each other's projects? Maybe Rafa, you'd like to start? It has been very interesting that that specific activity of the meetups to learn from this all these initiatives that are going on, especially uh, with Ivan and since Colombia is a very big country in comparison to Costa Rica, but has a lot of similarities. And we are particularly interested to see these results and see how we can apply them in our country. And, and to, to answer this specific question that Ivan has been mentioning during this, this session, actually we have had some, some exchanges before, right Ivan? Uh, in order to see where we can, we can uh, engage more. Um, the, the difficulty sometimes is this, the time constraints and everything you want to do uh, with uh, the projects and your work and your life. Can, sometimes it, is, it, it limits the availability to do all the things you want to do. But we certainly would like to continue uh, looking for ways to understand what uh, the results of Ivan is telling about Colombia and how we can learn from them and apply them to our country. Ivan? Well, this was like a biodiversity and uh, ecological roundup, I will say. I have to say that I was impressed about the amount of different things or new things that we can do with the available current resources. So I, re I do remember that there were like a kind of things that I say, okay, now that is possible. Before, before Google Earth Engine, maybe it wasn't the case. And was really nice to see the innovation and the scientific capacity of these guys to make new questions super relevant, super mandatory and required to, to provide answers to the society. I remember one guy from South Africa that tried to do quite similar what were you doing. And with Rafael and Mauricio, we have been talking because it was quite surprisingly how we are very similar because everything, because the country, because the clouds, the rainy, the, because, well, about everything, even into the question that we have. They want to measure degradation, which is a kind of non-binary transition, and it's essentially the same that I'm trying to measure in another ecosystems. I don't know, Costa Rica have paramos or savannas, I don't know, but in our cases, uh, is the case, if there's a need to, to measure non-forest ecosystems. Forest ecosystems are are glorious. I mean, they are like uh, the most famous with all the reasons is fanta are fantastic, but we have another needs, another uh, needs as a country. And that's why this index tried to attempt another kind of ecosystems. 
And we have a discussion in, in the last weeks with Mauricio. Maybe bring me your data, maybe your training samples, and I will try to, to adapt my little prototype into and try to account what, what can we do together. Because at the end of the day, I, I, can, I, I can say, okay, maybe we are naming the process in some different ways, but we have a lot of similarities in terms of the goals, the approaches, and definitely the tools that we will use. That's awesome to hear that you guys uh, managed to connect and are thinking of some collaborations over there. So do you have any advice for listeners who might be starting out with Google Earth Engine or who might want to get more involved in the environmental space, Rafael? Yes, I would say follow EO Data Science social networks. There's a lot of interesting, very straightforward uh, uh, ways to learn from with the work that you're doing. I really enjoy uh, all the publications you have, but because they're you're doing a very good job uh, uh, trying to help people to learn how to use all these tools. So that would be my first advice for for those people who want to start using these tools. Thanks, Rafael. I agree with that. Ivan. Yes. Well, I, I have to say that. Well, the. The, the, the main advice that I provide for new scientists or new GIS users is try to get a question. It doesn't matter how hard or difficult it seems to be. Current or nowadays technologies allow us to think that it's almost doable, everything. If you have the data, if you don't have the data, sorry, you will have remote sensing data. If you don't have a place, you will find a place. If you don't have the technique, you will find a technique. So. I will suggest you take a project, a task, or, or a question that really passionate you and work a little bit on that. I'm completely sure that you will find the way. There's many tutorials, not only in, in YouTube from the um, documentation from, from Google, there is not a stack overflow, a lot of YouTube videos, but EO Data Science provide a super important quiz inside or, or tips about how to handle very, very important information. For example, making a reduction or a subset of temporal imagery are things that in other times, maybe that will not be as easy as today. So if you have the passion, you have the time, dream, make applications, take a problem, and just work on that. Fantastic advice, Ivan. So I just want to reiterate what Rafael has mentioned. Please follow us on, follow EO Data Science on Twitter. And I also encourage everyone to hop onto the EO Data Science website to read the GeoGEE blogs where you can read more about Rafael and Ivan's projects and also all of the other projects in the GeoGEE program. Yeah, Ivan, you're going to be the, the final blog of the series, I've heard. So um, yours will be coming out very shortly. By the time this podcast airs anyway, it will be live. So yes, do go and have a look at Ivan's blog um, about his project. But we've covered around maybe 16 to 18 of the projects. So there's a lot of documentation there. And, and yes, like um, Yvonne said, please go and have a look at that. The other question I've got for you guys, and maybe you Yvonne, is the meetups. Are they public? Are they on YouTube? Yes, they are. They are on, um, if you search EO Data Science on YouTube, you should find our channel and um, all of the, the meetups are public on there. Perfect. Well, we'll include links to all of these resources that have been mentioned in our show notes. 
But we're going to end it there today, guys, and really grateful for your participation in the podcast today. So, Ivan, thank you very much. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Nice to see you and meet you, Sarah. I, I have the pleasure, but it's a pleasure to be with you and Yvonne and Raphael. Good. And Rafa, hey, thank you so much. And thank the dogs for, for being quiet towards the end of the podcast as well. <laughs> uh, thanks to you for the invitation. As uh, how we say here in Costa Rica, pura vida. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Love that. Thank you so much. And if you like what you heard today on the podcast, don't forget that you can subscribe to Location Matters on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Google Podcasts. You've been listening to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS covering the world of mapping and location technology. To find more episodes or to read our blog, check out our website, ngis.com.au.